Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Live Mindfully, a place to build self-awareness and confidence to lead a purposeful and mindful life. Good morning, everyone. I'm Marzalene, your host, and today we are interviewing Rachel. She's a foodie with a zest for life and passion for travel. She's been blogging since 2007 when she started documenting her life as an innkeeper. As her wanderlust grew, she sold the inn to pursue travel writing full-time and has since been to over 50 countries in pursuit of the tastiest meals. She's been featured in People's Magazine, USA Today, and listed by TripAdvisor as one of the top 25 culinary travel blogs to follow. You can follow her adventure on thetravelbite.com and on social at thetravelbite. Hi, Rachel. Hello, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I'm really happy to have you over. I love food, and I think it's extremely important to talk about food sometimes in our life. Yes, absolutely. People who love food are always the best people, I think. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell me a bit more for you? Was food always part of your life, or did you just kind of fell in love once in a restaurant and you had this drive to make something bigger out of this? Yeah, you know, I think food has always been a part of my life, but I kind of awakened to it, uh, maybe in my mid twenties. So growing up, uh, my parents or my, my mother's side of the family is French Canadian mm -hmm. and my stepfather is Puerto Rican. So we always had this mismatch of French and Latin cuisine at home. <laughs> and so it, it was always this mismatch. And so, you know, it, during, um, uh, Christmas time, we would have meat pie, And sometimes my mom would make it with, you know, Puerto Rican spices instead of the traditional spices. And, um, you know, I, I didn't always love food. Like I do remember being a total jerk as a teenager because my stepfather, he makes amazing food. And, and it, to me today, it, it feels like, you know, uh, comfort food, you know, with the arroz con pollo and the tostones. But as a teenager, I was like, what's this fried banana? You know, like as, as young teens, as a 13 year old, I don't think you quite appreciate his food as much, but then as an adult, <laughs> it becomes that thing, that memory that reminds you of, of being a kid. So I think that's how my love of food originally started. Uh, my mom was always a, a great cook, you know, of course, back in the eighties, I think, um, you know, we didn't have as much as we have today, as far as prepped food goes. And so uh, people cooked a lot more. Mm -hmm. And so those are my memories is always, you know, eating at home and eating home cooked meals. And then as an adult, I had a bed and breakfast, um, but I didn't cook. I wasn't a good cook at the time. I would burn toast. <laughs> but, but I, and I, literally I did. I started a fire once making toast in my kitchen. I had this little bungalow in, uh, in downtown Orlando. It was an old house and I, I put toast to the toaster oven and the fire alarm went off and uh, it was crazy. But, um, but I've always been in cooking. And, um, so when I opened the bed and breakfast, we, we cooperated with the restaurant in town. So the restaurant in town would do our breakfasts for us, but I started a blog at that time to promote the inn. And it was then that I kind of explored cooking more and explored different flavors. And I was working with a lot of the other innkeepers in town who were retired chefs and were from big cities, you know, like New York and Miami and such. And so, Um, that's where my love for food really grew and where I started photographing recipes and, and getting more interested in cooking too. Did you have a, a moment of, oh my God, I could make a career out of this love for food or did it just grow organically? Did you see it coming that you would actually be, you know, having a food blog and working full time on this? 
Yeah, no, you know, it kind of grew gradually. You know, it wasn't, it was definitely was not like an overnight success. It was just, you know, a little bit at a time and um, making mistakes and learning from them. And, um, you know, it's been full time now, I think since probably the last four years. And I've been doing this for nearly 10 now. So it was just a lot of um, trial and error and starting to write for other magazines and doing freelance work and then uh, building my own site on the side while I was, you know, getting paid to write for other people. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, it's definitely not an overnight success. I know there's a lot of courses and stuff out there that claim, you know, quit your job, travel (laughs) the world, make six you know, that's not going to happen in 30 days. So <laughs> I completely know what you mean. I think it's beautiful that you just let that journey evolve for you. Did you always have that entrepreneurial, you know, blood because you were running it in? Was it your first venue? Was it the first time you went into business? And was it easy for you to transition towards something new? Um, I think so. You know, I, I tried corporate life right after college and it wasn't really fitting for me. I I hated being stuck to a, a certain schedule. I hated wearing pantyhose. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I you know, and um, you know, it was just corporate life was just not for me. I, I felt like as a woman and as a young woman, it was hard to be taken seriously. So I had to work that much harder, and then I would meet my goals one quarter, and then my goals would be doubled the next quarter. So when I first got started. It's interesting. I actually first got started in food. My very first job out of college was working for a fruit and vegetable association. <laughs> so I was marketing for this fruit and vegetable association and I was meeting with farmers and recording video. And then I transitioned from that to working for a bank. Okay. Very big switch. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this was probably, this is, you know, when the economy started to tank too. So I was thankful to have a job, but at the same time, banking gave me a real glimpse of what corporate life was like and, and it was not for me. So I started doing marketing to actually doing real estate at that time. That was my first endeavor into being an entrepreneur, uh, was being a real estate agent and uh, doing mortgage loans. And a friend of mine had a company. So I went to work with her, which was really fun. I loved working with her. She was one of my best friends, Betsy. And, um, but you know, I hated the stress of real estate. It still didn't call to my soul, if that makes sense. Like, <laughs> you know, even, even though it was entrepreneurial and I could set my own schedule and, and set my own goals and, you know, it, it was a step in the right direction, but it wasn't fulfilling to me. And, so you um, knew you were closer to like what you would like to do. You knew you were finally away from the corporate, but you, you still didn't feel like you were on your path, like on what you should be doing with your time. Yeah, yeah, no, I definitely didn't feel like I was on my path, you know, and I, and I feel like a lot of people go through this, you know, I feel like our culture, uh, especially here in the United States is always like, you know, um, pushing people to dream big and accomplish, accomplish things. And, you know, it's, it's always this high pressure to know what you want to do. And sometimes you have to go through a journey to figure that out. And that's okay. You know, you sometimes it's making mistakes and trying different things and, um, you know, when you, when you try something, you can say, you know, here's what I like about this job. Here's what I don't like about this job. And so, um, you know, being in banking pushed me into real estate because then I could work for myself, but I still, you know, felt something was missing. And so I remember staying at a bed and breakfast one weekend and I thought, 
oh man, they've got the life, you know, they're in jeans and they're <laughs> and they're cooking and they're meeting travelers, you know, I said, this is amazing. And, um, you know, I didn't know how to cook, <laughs> so, uh, I, but I, but I liked the whole, and it, you know, for me working in real estate, um, actually before real estate. So back when I was in banking, weekends were always treasured. And so I liked that relaxing morning of, you know, making pancakes and doing laundry and the, you know, even the sound of laundry going, it was kind of like a, a rich relaxing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a ritual. Yeah. So I thought, this is what I want to do. Let me figure this out. And so I had been doing really well in real estate and, and the housing market was doing good. So I sold my first home and purchased a bed and breakfast. That's amazing. So you really immediately leveraged the money you had made from real estate to invest in something new. Yes, yes. And I would say that is probably 50% luck because that was the market at the time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I I sold my house and and, uh, purchased the bed and breakfast, uh, you know, with a business partner. And um, there were a lot of mistakes I made with that too. You know, I, I I didn't realize, you know, how much even having savings and even having, um, you know, put you know twenty percent down, you know, in the in the purchase of the property and having saved for it, it was still, uh, you know, there are cash flow things to consider, and there were things that would break, and um, you know, owning a historic home, it seems like it's kind of like owning a boat where you're kind of sinking money into it all the time. <laughs> um, so, so it just becomes kind of this, uh, this love affair, you know what I mean? You love the historic home, so you want to fix it up all the time, but really it's not an investment. Um, <laughs> so it's really out of love, but it's not out of profit. True. So, um, but I, you know, I had a lot of fun. I met a lot of really interesting people. I loved working with all the other innkeepers. You know, we really had a good tight knit community and we would help each other. Um, and that's kind of how I got into blogging and, and writing and story writing was um, because I was marketing my own business. So it, it, it kind of fell naturally that way. And um, I think at the time, I was a big fan of Pioneer Woman. She was the biggest blogger I knew at the time. Mm-hmm. So I was really inspired by her stories. And so I would take the recipes that we innkeepers had and put those recipes on the blog. Um, I would write little, little mini itineraries to show people what there was to do in our small town so people would stay longer. So when I, when I work with tourism boards now and they talk about heads and beds, that's something that I understand because that used to really directly affect my bottom line. <laughs> um, and it just kind of grew from there. And, um, you know, the, owning an inn was a lot of hard work. I know a lot of people say they want to do that as a retirement. And I'm, I'm always caution them against that because it's a, it's a lot of physical labor, you know, unless you hire all of that out. And then if you hire all that out, your profit margin is really Low, so. Yeah, definitely. It's a lot of physical on yeah. the spot work. You have to repair stuff, be there when it happens. Yeah. You know, it's, it's hospitality too. So it's hard, you know, you're having to be on, um, 24 seven, you know, sometimes planes would fly in later or people would get lost and you'd be up at 2am checking them in. <laughs> yes. Um, so, so it just, it kind of evolved and I decided I wanted to uh, write more about travel and recipes. And so I sold the inn and rebranded and that's what I've been doing ever since. Were you always driven by lifestyle? Because the, the inn, the idea came from you feeling like a calling from that place when you were at that inn and that weekend and you were like, wow, they have the life. And when you got into that life, maybe your vision changed. 
were you always driven into building a business that would suit the lifestyle of your dream? For me, I think it kind of evolved. Um, you know, there was no examples when I was growing up, at least, of, of what we have today, of, of the opportunities we have today to work from anywhere and work from our laptops and mm -hmm. um, you know, be remote. And so, you know, I'm part of that in-between generation where I'm right on the cusp of millennial and Gen X. And so I remember what it was like not having uh, digital media and, and playing outside all day and not being connected all day. And then I also, uh, you know, through my teens grew up with, you know, digital media. And so I think I've just been kind of growing with it as the industry changes. And so I, I feel very fortunate to be in this time, you know, to be born in this time where we can work remotely and we can create a job that is, that is more lifestyle driven, that is more holistic and um, gives us more life balance. Um, so I don't think I had that goal in mind. I think I've just kind of grown with it as the industry has, has developed and, and grown. Where did you got the inspiration to make this move? Because you could have stayed in the end probably for many more years. <laughs> Sometimes we get stuck in places. <laughs> True. Well, actually, that was more of a push because I had a falling out with my business partner. <laughs> <laughs> so it was partially that. It was partially the economy was just doing horrible. So it was becoming more and more difficult to keep things um, running. So I, so I was already, even though I was a business owner, I was taking on freelance writing and part-time jobs um, on the side just to make ends meet. And um, so for me, it was just about, I think, survival, to be honest. It wasn't a big inspiration or motivation or, or even, a, you know, an entrepreneurial epiphany. It was just you know, one step foot, you know, in front of the other. And here's, here's where I want to go. Um, and then kind of surviving that uh, tumultuous landscape of the economy going down and, and, um, you know, not having a seeing eye to eye with my business partner, <laughs> uh, which gets really much more personal than that, but I will, I will leave it. But I that. think it's, it's really, it's really interesting and important to mention it as well, because a lot of time we want to know where we're headed, but I think sometimes there's this just need to survive and to make a move because it's not working anymore where we're at and we don't have to wait until we, we figured it all out. I think it's good to just take a step and try to figure it out along the way. And I think it did bring you really, really far now that you have built this beautiful community and you're truly for four years now working on your dream. Do you see now that the future holds for you something completely different or are you happy to keep going with the flow? Have you become more capable of building a very clear vision for the future? Or are you still just going with it and seeing what happens and unfolds? Yeah, I'm actually, I'm in a great place right now. I love what I do. I love the brand that I built. And so really it's just expanding on that and how can I do it better and how can I make it more organized or how can I offer more, um, you know, products that are, are helpful to people who either want to learn to cook or who want to, uh, you know, have a guide to find good food in, in certain destinations. And so now it's just kind of an expansion mode. And, um, you know, I can see myself continuing with it um, indefinitely, really, just adding more to it. Really. This is very beautiful. Do you feel it's because it really was built from scratch upon yourself, like what you liked, what you enjoyed, what you wanted to give to people, because it was so close to your heart from the beginning? Do you think that's why right now you can feel so comfortable just expanding this project? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I've built a good foundation. 
Um, you know, I've definitely had to go put on the business side hat in the last year or so in um, revisiting SEO and, and cleaning up articles. When I first started, I didn't know what I was doing. And so some of those articles were horrible. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I had to clean, I had to go back to some of those old posts and clean up the writing, uh, reshoot the photography for some of the recipes. And, you know, that's a long process because it's a, a, you know, a lot of different content to go through. Um, but I enjoy it because it's mine. You know, I'm working for myself. There's a, you know, there's just a bit of pride in, in working on something and, and being creative and then watching it grow. So now it's just, you know, what else can I do? What else can I add? How can I make this better? Um, and just continuing to, to Are work you, on it. Right now, I both to see that you're living your dream life. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I get paid to travel and to eat. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm definitely living my dream life right now. I, I love it. This love is it. incredible. But what I love as well is that you started from not knowing how. I love that you really figured it out along the way and you got the tools and you just made what you could out of what you knew. Did you ever felt like the content you were producing was not enough or that it was not going anywhere at the beginning? Yeah, you know, and I still think I feel that sometimes um, because it's such a competitive market today, you know, so what I try and do is I put blinders on and I, and I try and not watch what other people doing are doing. I just try to create what inspires me and do the best that I can at that and then, you know, see where it goes from there. So, uh, but there are some times where I put things up and I'm like, oh, that's not good enough or oh, I need to, you know, probably learn to let go of perfection sometimes. Um, but for the most part, if I'm, if I'm just working on what inspires me and what I find interesting, um, you know, it's pretty fulfilling. It's a, it's a good, it is day. indeed a very competitive sphere to travel and food. <laughs> it, it both has taken so much expansion in the last few years. Do you feel like the pressure keeps growing or do you feel like you're just getting better at letting go? Um, Probably a little bit of both. You know, I, I feel like a healthy competition is good because it, it encourages you to do the best work that you can um, mm -hmm. to really define what makes you different. And um, mm -hmm. so for me, I enjoy the cooking aspect of it as well. So I don't just cover culinary destinations. I also try to encourage people to explore these destinations through their own kitchen and through cooking. Um, because let's face it, not everybody can buy or purchase, you know, a 10 day trip through Spain. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's something you've got to save for, but you might be able to order some saffron and some other things on Amazon and, and create a beautiful meal and taste it and read about it and feel inspired by it and learn about it. And so Those are the kind of things I like to work on is, is to help people um, travel and, and to learn about culture, even if it's not physically by jumping on a plane uh, or, you know, just reading about it and being inspired by the photography and then having the, you know, senses stimulated through cooking, through uh, scent and through flavor and through taste and even sound, you know, when you're cooking. So That's something I think I really enjoy. That's amazing. And do you think that this is your biggest gift to be able to, to bring this joy to people for food? Yeah, I'm not sure if I would call it a gift as much as uh, just something that I really enjoy doing. It's something that I want to expand on because I feel like people are not cooking as much anymore. So I, I kind of have a mission to get more people in the kitchen. And, you know, especially in the United States, we have this workaholic culture and attitude where people Um, are always pressed for time. And so cooking has been 
um, you know, something that people are, are not doing anymore because they, they need time to work or they get home late or they have to get up early. And so they feel like it might be a waste of their time. But similarly, they're also watching food shows and they're watching, uh, you know, food stuff on Instagram. And so they're still very interested in it. I think it hits uh, a lot of heartstrings with people because um, scent and and taste can really bring back people's memories and, and comfort food is something people are always um, dreaming about when they're really stressed. And so I tend to look at cooking as a form of meditation because you have to be in the moment. You can't, you know, you might be connected to digital because you're looking at a recipe on your tablet, but you're not, you know, you're not interacting with people. You're not being, you know, mindlessly reading something on, on social media. Um, so I really enjoy that, that aspect of cooking that it, you know, forces you to be in the moment. It forces you to take in the senses, the sights, the sounds, you know, to pay attention to what you're doing. And then you have something delicious to eat when you're done. So <laughs> that is very true. And the food tastes better when you give it attention. <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. You know, and, and, um, you know, so I'm kind of working on how to expand on that to encourage people to get more interested in cooking and to learn to cook, because I feel like there's a lot of people in our generation who have not learned to cook because they haven't had to, because we have so many prepackaged meals and healthy prepackaged meals. I mean, you can go and, and cheap options as well. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Cheap options and, you know, everything's prepackaged and prepared. So it's kind of getting people back in touch with where food comes from and what does it look like when it's grown and how much effort it takes to grow it and um, going out to farms. If you get a chance locally, um, I always like to visit farms and, and vineyards and things when I travel, but we have that, those resources That's home as very, well. Very good. I love farms market too. <laughs> Since you, you grew into love for food very young and food has this really big mindfulness aspect. Do you think that helped you as you built your business to have this mindfulness outlook on things to really take it almost like cooking and to just be really aware of what you are doing and trying to give pour it from your heart. Yeah. You know, I don't think it was intentional when I started. It was just something that I needed. So being in a, in a digital world where my entire job right now is digital, you know, it's, it's social media, it's writing, it's um, SEO, it's, it's keeping up with, with everything that's going on today digitally that I spend so much time on my screen and so much time on my phone that I was looking for a way where I could personally, you know, break free from digital and, and have a, have a mental break from all of that. And so, uh, yoga is one of those things. Cooking is one of those things. Um, I have one of those personality types where I can't, I can't sit through a meditation. Like there's too much going on in my brain <laughs> <laughs> and we've tried. I mean, I even did a, a, we did a meditation once at a Buddhist temple in Seoul and the, the nun was there and she was so peaceful and sweet and, you know, and, and we were going to sit there in quiet for 10 minutes and it felt like an eternity. It felt like, so for me, I'm always able to um, bring myself into the moment through uh, focused movement. So that's why I enjoy going to yoga classes because it's a focused movement. And I feel like cooking is also a focused movement, you know, and you can, uh, you know, get involved in a recipe and prepping all of your ingredients and get everything, everything prepared and then actually preparing the meal um, you're forced, forced to be in the moment and your stim your senses are stimulated. So it's uh, it's cooking is meditation for me. <laughs> I think that's really good to mention because it's true. We don't need to do one way to clear our head and to get the space. And 
if cooking works for you, it's even better that you're investing more time in cooking because it gives you that space in your head to be clear. For you, is it something you want to implement more and more in your blog? Because I know that there is an upcoming course you're working on with mindfulness, food and travel. So is it something you really want to give to people, this, this awareness that they can find ways to clear their mind, be mindful of the moment, just be there? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I feel like with food, you know, we hold chefs up on this pedestal and we watch food shows and, you know, we read food blogs and look at food photos and Instagram, but I'd like for people to actually get more involved in their own kitchen and, and learn to cook. Um, and even if that takes some of these boxed, uh, recipe kits that are so popular right now, at least they're learning to, you know, chop properly and they're learning to prepare mm-hmm. certain things. And they're being introduced to different spices and, to me, it's just so interesting how there's so many different flavors, uh, you know, across the globe that there's always something new to learn and new to try, you know, and I know there are some picky eaters out there <laughs> that probably <laughs> as interested in trying a new spice, but, you know, it, I think every country has their own way of doing like simple things like chicken and rice, you know, or, uh, you know, there, there are certain things that are, every country has their own version of. And so I think those are are interesting ways to explore the world through food as well. Right now you have a blog and a platform, but you really want to do this education as well for your community because you have now such a big voice. Do you feel like the community is there for you now to learn more and to get this knowledge and to even expand into more and more giving education more than just discovery? Yeah, education, I think, is the next uh, step for me. It's the next aspect of my business that I'm trying to grow. And so the the mindfulness through food and through cooking is um, is one course that I'm working on. And that, it's taking me a, a while to put together. So it'll probably launch in 2019. Um, but it will be kind of one of those self-improvement, um, not even self-improvement. I would just say just a, an invitation or an invitation to... Uh, disconnect, which is odd because I'm very connected, right? Like they're right <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, with me on, on social media and on my blog, but it's going to be an invitation to disconnect and to remember what things smell like and feel like and taste like and, and to learn new things. Um, so that's one thing I'm working on. And then the others are more to help other entrepreneurs um, and other women who want to grow their business. And so that's something that Probably won't be launched so much on my blog, but more on my personal website, RochelleLucas.com. Um, mm-hmm. Co-authoring a book with a, a friend of mine who's a professional organizer, and she's really helped me organize my goals in the form of bullet journaling. I love bullet journaling. <laughs> oh, isn't it fantastic? Like, like when she challenged me, she's like, Rochelle, throw away your planner and get a blank book. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, but it's been the best thing for me for um, keeping me on track with my goals and, and keeping all of my ideas together in the day. Cause, um, I'm in Myers-Briggs. I'm an ENFP. So I, I'm always working on something, but I always have like 20 ideas percolating in my brain. So it was a great way for me to keep track of those. <laughs> and to really be clear about what, what are your next step and like do it one at a time. <laughs> Oh, for sure. For sure. Do one thing at a time. I'm, I'm very much much a, a list checker. I like to check things off a list. Um, so I'm co-authoring this book with her and I'm covering the kind of blogging business side of it and um, what's helped me with my experience with it. So that's exciting. Yeah, that's incredible. I think people will be looking forward to it for sure. <laughs> I'd love to know, um, because you started in a place of need for your business, because you need to survive and now you're 
thriving and just really enjoying life. Was it hard for you to position yourself as an expert that would charge money for things along the way? Because especially with food and travel, it's such a pleasure, pleasurable experience. And I know there's a lot of shaming in the industry sometimes for people to being paid to do things they love. How did you navigate with this? That's a good question. So there's a couple parts there I want to unpack. So the first is Uh, and being called a, like a food and travel expert and kind of some of the shaming that goes along with that. And um, I think that no one really is ever an expert truly, because there's always so much to learn. You know, I, I personally find something new to learn every week. Um, you know, so I, I sometimes will call myself an enthusiast <laughs> of food and travel. I love it. I want to take away the snobbiness from it because I hate when people in the food industry get really snobby about it and, and they say, oh, I don't like to word, use the word foodie. And it's like, well, if somebody identifies as a foodie and they're interested in food, you know, I don't want to discourage them just because I'm, I don't think this word is cool. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the snobbiness out of, out of food. Like if you're interested in food, come on board. Like we'll, you know, I'll either teach you or we'll learn something new together. Um, I actually love calling myself a foodie. It just brings me a lot of joy to love food and to be a foodie. And I, I appreciate that you're taking back this shame, even for the people trying to get into the industry from like a small angle or. <laughs> ah, no, I love the word foodie. I mean, you know, it means you love food, you know, there's nothing wrong with using it. And so, um, so yes, yeah, so I'm trying to take that. I'm trying to get rid of that snobbiness and, and kind of be a champion for, for people who love food and to not be afraid to say that you don't know something, you know, just to ask questions, you know, because there's things still I don't know, you know, it's a, it's a big world in food, um, even just in the United States, if you don't consider like global cuisine, um, there's always something new to learn. So the second part of that, what was the second part of your question? Uh, it was about yourself navigating as a business owner in something you loved and something pleasurable. How did you grow into even making money out of this and not feeling ashamed? That's a good question. That's a good question. So I think that was also just a gradual learning process. You know, as my audience grew, um, you know, I would take classes and stuff on negotiating and on contracts and um, on what people are charging for, what people are not charging for. And for me, it was mostly coming, uh, becoming confident in my own ability, becoming confident in my writing and my photography and um, then feeling confident enough to charge for it because, you know, why not? There are photographers charging for that and there are writers charging for that. And um, I consider myself a publisher now more than a blogger. I have a, a, a robust platform of, of an audience. So, um, so I, that shame has really gone away. And, um, you know, that's something that I, I try and talk to a lot of people about is how do you charge, you know, for what you do and how do you charge for what you do? And, Really, it's uh, helping people realize what their value is. And then when you get marketing terms, you want to look at what your advertising equivalent value is and then being able to kind of set your rates from there. But for sure, it's, you know, it's your time. So either your time, you know, you're giving it to yourself and to your friends and or you're giving it to a company. And so if you're giving it to a company, uh, you should be compensated. Definitely. And if it's your own company, it still is time, even if it's for food and fun and travel. <laughs> For That's sure. amazing. And now that you started from that place, because you're, you're mentioning that it took you a while to gain confidence in your skill to charge for it as well. When you did the transition from the end towards the blog, was there a period where you were kind of in a panic mode of how am I going to make money right now? 
a little bit. At that time, I did more freelance writing. So I was writing for other people and doing my blog on the side. So my blog was just a side hustle and was not making me any money. And so every the amount of time I invested in my blog was just in growing the blog, growing the audience, um, improving my skill in writing and in photography. Um, and then I was getting paid by writing uh, for other people by doing freelance. And so when I started getting more traffic and more traction in my blog, um, I realized I could make more money writing for myself than writing for other people. So so then I just became a self-publisher, basically. And so when it grew to the point where I could step away and not do so much freelance, um, that's that's just the, the choice that I made. And so it was more, it was more gradual. It wasn't all of a sudden. It was you know it was a couple of years of, of hard work and, and building the blog while also working for other people, and then you know stepping away once the blog grew to a point where it could sustain. Do you think me. that this allowed you to be more creative? I don't know if you've read the book Big Magic by Elizabeth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One of the biggest point of that book was that it's better to not kill your creativity by being in a money scarcity place, and it's better to grow it on the side than to have to make money out of your craft. Was it a bit like this for you? Absolutely. Um, it wasn't like that for me, but I can see how people can get dragged in because I, I know there's a lot of advertisements and stuff out there. I see them on Instagram where they're like, quit your job, travel the world. And I would never encourage somebody to do that. Like you need to start small. You need to start gradually. And because that's, I mean, that's kind of what I did with my business. So I didn't feel like I had that uh, money scarcity that she talked about in the, um, in big magic where your creativity is because I was, I was writing for other people. I had other freelance gigs. And so uh, money was coming in and my blog was my side hustle that wasn't paying me yet. <laughs> yeah. But it was better for you this way to have this space to create without being bounded to making money immediately out of your For sure. Yeah. I mean, and people can, if they want to take a gap year, if they've had enough savings, if they want to go travel the world and then come back into the working world, I think that's good too. Um, but if you want to make a business out of your blog, um, definitely, you know, have, have some other income coming in. So that way you have the flexibility to, in the, in the room and the space to let it grow without worrying if you're going to pay your bills. Definitely. That's a really, really good point. Cause I think there's a lot of pressure in terms of age as well. And people younger and younger are trying to make it happen really, really quickly for you. Since it took you, you said almost 10 years to build that beautiful platform. Did you ever felt too old or that it was going too slow or that you should be there yet? Oh, all the time. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I feel old now because like when I go on trips and things, I'm like, oh my God, I'm with a bunch of millennials. And, um, <laughs> you know, but I, but I think it's fun. You know, I, I feel, um, you know, I, I didn't feel like it had passed me when I was growing it because it was so new. Blogging was so new. Um, you know, so I've just kind of grown with the industry, I think. I mean, I, I took screenshots of my very first blog and it's atrocious. It, it, you know, it, it was in the 2000s, but it looked like it's from the 90s, you know. So I, I think I've just kind of grown with the technology and, and have just kept up with the technology and will probably continue to do so my and whole life. And still today have that pressure that sometimes it, life is going too fast for you almost? Uh, sometimes. Yeah. And, and, but you know, one of the things I've learned in talking with other bloggers and other entrepreneurs is that when you see somebody and it seems like, oh my God, I can't believe they did that so quick. There was a lot of work that went on behind the scenes that you probably didn't see 
Um, so, so any, mm-hmm. any overnight success, know that it's not really an overnight success. There was a lot of work in the background. Um, I think that's an important point to mention because a lot of times what happens is somebody will become visible and once visibility starts, it like propels so far because everybody sees it even more and then it, it, it just pops out so fast. So it looks like all of a sudden you're visible, but yeah, before that first article talks about you or before that first big visible visibility boost talks about you there's as you said a million hours work and put in put in it what was your point like this point where you really got visible in the in the industry um when did i get really visible in the industry i had like so when i first got started instagram wasn't as hot as twitter so twitter was the leader and now instagram's the leader so people who are really big on instagram i'm kind of telling them you really need to diversify this is not going to last <laughs> like, you saw it happening with twitter i've seen it happen it will happen again so um but at the time my blog was still new and i was still doing a lot of freelance writing and i was really the most active on twitter and i had received a phone call from someone saying hey we have a client that wants to work with you can we do a interview And I was like, sure, sure. I'd love to do an interview. Um, and I was like, who's the client? And they're like, oh, it's the Four Seasons Hotels. And I was like, oh, well, that's high end. That's luxury. That's great. So to paint a picture at the time, I was working on social media for um, Race Across America, which is a, a cycling race that goes from California to Maryland. Mm-hmm. It's a, a 3,000 mile bike race. Um, people do it to raise money for charity or, you know, just because they're crazy enough to want to bike that many miles. <laughs> Um, you know, so, and my husband was with me and we were, we were both working on it and, um, you know, we were staying in cheap hotels and getting up and going every day. And, you know, I think one night we ended up camping in the car because, you know, the cyclists are not going on the freeways, right? They're going on the back roads and in the, through farms, yes. deserts. And so we were kind of roughing it. And so it was one of those days where we're roughing it. And I think I'm staying in like a motel eight or something really gross and cheap. <laughs> You know, and I'm talking with this company about the Four Seasons and they're like, we've been watching your your Twitter account and we really think your voice matches our brand. We're launching an around the world trip and would like for you to go and write about it. Um, you're going to be staying in Four Seasons in each destination. It's going to be, you know, about a, a 25 day trip. Um, you know, would you be interested? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm like, pacing in my hotel room because I'm like, oh my God, if they can see the hotel room I'm in now. <laughs> um, so that was like probably my first really big project. And uh, that was in 2012. I was on the inaugural flight for the four seasons around the world by private jet. And it was fantastic. We went to 10 destinations um, in the course of a month and we We just cut flying west. You know, we started in Los Angeles and then went out to the islands. We went to Hawaii and we went to Bali and we went to um, Bora Bora, you know, and then made our way to Australia and then back to India and then over into Europe. And so it was literally uh, circumnavigating the globe and blogging about that every day. And, um, and it was fantastic. It was a great learning experience. It was a great travel experience. And I think that's, that's kind of one of the things that, uh, is it the me. first time you told yourself, Oh my God, this is it. It's happening. I'm making this happen. Did you have this kind of realization of, <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. For sure. I mean, I was sweating. I was nervous. Like I'm talking about like with the interview and I had prepped a little bit for the interview. because I thought, Oh my God, okay, this is an interview. They're going to want to talk to me. because it was like a panel of people. It was like their 
uh, PR team and their marketing team and then their uh, magazine editor, you know, and I was like sweaty armpits, sweaty hands, you know, like <laughs> nervous, uh, you know, but just keeping my calm, keeping my cool on the phone. And um, they had already made their decision. They had made their decision by what I had been posting online. And so, you know, so I'm careful. I'm, I always tell everybody, you know, really, you know, what you're putting out there, even if it's just your name, that's your brand, that's your personal brand. Mm -hmm. And so people will read that and, and, uh, you know, choose to work with you or not because of that. So, so yeah. Was it easy for you to be your, your brand from the beginning on? Cause I mean, that opportunity definitely came because they, they saw your voice and they loved what they saw. Did you ever touch you were a personal brand? Did it ever cross your mind or were you just putting things out there without rethinking it? You know, I would only put things out there that I was okay with my mother reading. <laughs> that, that, was my, that was my, uh, my, my only rule. So, you know, I wouldn't cuss. I wouldn't, you know, um, you know, just trying to be a positive, just to be a positive, encouraging voice out there and, you know, and encourage other people and, and share other people's, uh, articles. If I, you know, if I found them interesting or inspiring. And so really it was just, um, being a positive voice and not, not doing anything that would, you know, make my mom cringe, which I usually don't anyway, you know, <laughs> did it ever cross your mind? Somebody would see your work and invite you to such event. Not at all. Not at all. And I think it was that event. That was the lesson that, okay, what I'm putting out there is my brand. I need to be more conscious about it or more maybe intentional about it. Um, that I have mm -hmm. been. What would you have to give as an advice to be intentional with your brands now that you've, you've gone through that old path? Um, really plan. You know, I think we're in this social media uh, craze where people are sharing every aspect of our lives. And, you know, Twitter was once that way. It's not anymore. Now it's more Instagram stories where people are posting behind the scenes. And I think it's good to make the distinction between your personal life and your online life. And you, you know, you don't have to share everything. You can create a plan of what, you know, have kind of a vision of what you want your brand to be and then create a plan for that. And so, you know, I know a lot of people stress out about Instagram and what am I going to post? And it's got to be the perfect photo. And for me, what I do is I'll plan my Instagram kind of like an editorial where I plan what I'm going to post for the month and I organize all of those folders into a folder and then I'm done. You know, I don't put much thought into it. Um, other than that, I post post maybe once a week. I really enjoy finding good quotes that go well with the photo to help, you know, uh, further the story. It's just kind of a thing. I like inspirational quotes. So, um, so I do enjoy that. And I'll kind of do that throughout the month, but it's kind of like a set it and forget it. Like you, you make your editorial plan. This is what my plan is going to be for the month. And then you don't have to worry so much. You don't have to keep up with the Joneses, as they say, where you're looking at what other people are posting or, or, you know, trying to, to be engaged all the time. And what that really does is it helps me free up mind space to work on other things. Cause that's like, okay, my Instagram is already planned for the month. Now I'm going to work on My blog posts or now I'm going to work on SEO. And so that way you can compartmentalize the different things that you have to work on as an entrepreneur and not have to be so glued to it all yeah. the time. And I think that's a good way as well to have more space, as you said, in your, in your day to breathe and to actually focus on what matters and to focus on creating new content at the moment that are really significant for your audience. Now, do you still feel a pressure to perform even more and to be more active or are you able to allow yourself a lot of time for your personal life? outside of your career? 
I think that's a good question. I think there's a balance. You know, there's always pressure as an entrepreneur. You're always, uh, you know, working hard to make sure your traffic is up and make sure your income is up and ad dollars are up and that, you know, you're meeting deadlines for sponsored things. So I think there's constantly pressure there. And it's especially hard when you work from home, separating uh, work life from personal life. So, Mm -hmm. uh, and then, like I said before, I I always have like 20 ideas percolating in my head. So sometimes, you know, I'll (laughs) I'll be talking with my husband. I'm like, oh, this is a great idea. I need to write it down. And so bullet journaling has helped me do that. So that way I know I'm not going to forget it. And I can go back to it later when it's more, you know, uh, in the workday. Being an entrepreneur, for sure, though, you're never really truly off. You know what I mean? You you are always um, thinking about different ideas and things you want to implement. And so, you know, I personally get that balance by trying to remember to be in the moment and to uh, go for a walk or, or for a run or uh, go take a yoga class, um, cooking. All of those different things help me uh, kind of achieve that balance that I'm looking for. And I, and I kind of see that as a need, which, which is why I want to incorporate this into a, a class that I'm going to be offering next year, or co- an online course, because I was walking my dog yesterday it, and there were, I, and I saw other people walking their dogs and everybody else that was walking their dogs was looking at their phone. And I thought, Oh my God, like <laughs> you're not, do we ever stop? <laughs> You're not listening to the birds. You're not smelling the gardenias that are blooming right now. And and for me, like, because uh, my dog's older now, she's 14. So I don't know how much more time I'll have with her. So when <laughs> I walk her, like I'll watch her little bounce and I watch what she does. And, and I just try and take it all in and, and uh, formulate that memory because I know it's not going to last. And, and that might be, um, you know, that might be a, a benefit of age too, because I have been doing this for 10 years and, and I am closer to 40 than I am 30. So I realize how temporary things are. And so I think getting in the moment and, and feeling and seeing and experiencing all the things is way more important than being connected to our phones all the time. I think that's really important to mention as well, especially because the entrepreneurial path is such an intense path. Sometimes it really, really gets intense and you're so focused and you almost lose yourself in it. Now that you look mm-hmm. back on that journey of the last 10 years, do you feel like you were aware and you can remember so many things? Or do you also feel like some periods you kind of lost and they became a blur because you were so focused on creating? And- um, it was, you know, I think it was a little bit of both. You know, I do remember going through one year, I think it was uh, 2015 or 16, that I just said yes to everything. And I think as an entrepreneur, you have to know, you have to start figuring out what to say no to because you do have to create space to to grow and to create. And so I said yes to everything and I was traveling so much and and I was seeing a lot of things but I was realizing I wasn't truly experiencing it. And so I had I had traveled the most I'd ever traveled in my life. I had ticked off the marks for visiting the most countries I had ever visited in that year. Um, but as I was going through and editing the photos, I realized I was really living those experiences through the lens of my camera. I wasn't truly experiencing them um in the moment. And mm-hmm. so that was a big wake up call for me to slow down and to not, you know, to say no to some things if they're not a good fit. Um, I think sometimes we worry if, as an entrepreneur, if we say no to things, that things will stop coming. And that's just, that's simply not true. You know, things will always, other opportunities will come and, and things that are a better fit might um, be there if you create the room for it. So um, I think that's something, I, a lesson I had to learn. It's not something I think I always knew. And now for the next few years, you're really going in this, in this direction of giving more and more space for yourself. Yeah, well, not yeah, mostly just being more intentional with it and, and creating mm-hmm. a plan 
and, um, you know, saying yes to the right opportunities and really seeing how I can give back either through education or, or through helping people be more mindful in um, how they're pursuing things. That's beautiful. Do you have one last thing you'd like to say to someone that is total foodie, wants to live this life of being paid to travel across four season hotels and live live the life through her lens, but also just taste food and be all around the place? What would you tell her if she's just getting started? Uh, not to give up because there, there's ups and downs and highs and lows. And I think a lot of people quit right before they make it. And so you know, just take things a little, little bit at a time, one day at a time and not stress out about it. And as long as you keep striving for it, and if you love it and you're creating every day, uh, you'll get where you want to be and write, and write down your goals. So create benchmarks. because it's always fun to look back, especially when you think, Oh, you know, I'm not making any progress and, you know, I haven't accomplished anything. And then if you go back and look at your numbers and look where you were, you know, three or four years ago, you realize how much project or how much progress you've made. And so, um, I think the phrase is mind the gain, not the gap. So you mind how, look at how much you've gained rather than the gap between where you are and where you I love to this. I've never heard this one, but it's so, so beautiful. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here today. I would have asked you many more questions, but <laughs> I think we covered a lot of interesting topics for the audience. Where can we find you? Where can we follow your adventures? So for travel and food, you can uh, find me at thetravelbite.com. And on there, I will be posting recipes and food guides. And that's where I will be launching my course next year on the mindfulness aspect of travel and food. And then for all other things, you can find me at RochelleLucas.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, it was fun. It was great. I hope to see you on one of these yoga retreats one day. We'll have fun. Oh, please do. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. It was Marjolaine for Live Mindfully. To find us on social media, follow at Yoga with Bo. We're on Instagram, Pinterest, and Twitter. Of course, you can find all the details about our guests in the show notes. And I wish you a lovely week filled with purpose, joy, and ease. Until next time.